Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I am one of the pastors here uh, at Cassidy, and it is a joy to be here, to be able to be in worship with you. Uh, if you are new here, uh, a very special welcome to you. I'm excited that you are here, that you have decided to come and join us this morning. And as, as the new year kicks off, hopefully you'll come to know us as a family of faith and, and grow in that relationship. Uh, if you are joining us online or via podcast, welcome to you. Uh, if you are new here, before I move on, uh, after the worship service, I'm going to be right outside those doors, and I would love to get an opportunity to say hi to you, uh, welcome you into this place, and, and to just meet you face to face. We've been uh, in the process of, of wrapping up one sermon series at the end of the year, and so Happy New Year uh, as we begin this new year. Hopefully, y'all have had uh, some opportunity to get some of your uh, New Year's resolutions written down or, or set up or planned, however you have it. Uh, thank you so much for telling everybody about my lack of going to the gym. I know I've said it myself, but it sounded so weird when somebody else was saying it. I don't know, uh, like, like it really happened, uh, but it really did. So um, we're starting a new sermon series called Guardrails, and this series is, <coughs> is based off of a sermon series by Andy Stanley, who is a pastor in Alpharetta, Georgia, and he wrote this series, and they did it like nine years ago, and they reprised it. This series is important to me because it, makes, it made such a huge impact in my life um, and how I live into the calling that God has put on, on my life. And, and, and my hope is that as we walk through this series, that we'll come to understand that we need guardrails in our lives and that we can use those to help us to be more like Jesus, that, that guardrails can help us to move in the direction that God wants us to. So we're going to use the picture of guardrails to allow us to understand that, that God wants us to stay on the road that God has planned for us, that we don't want to necessarily go off uh, on one side or on the other, but we want to we be on the road that God has for us. And just for everybody to be on the same page, guardrails are a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limits areas. Makes sense, right? They're found typically in bridges or on medians or on curves uh, or on cliffs on mountainsides. That's great. Um, Driving through West Virginia is a whole different concept if, if there are no guardrails. You're just like, whoa, I could go there. Uh, it's not good. So we don't, we don't want to have, uh, we, we want guardrails, I'm sorry, to keep us on the road when we want. And guardrails help us to do just that. Interestingly, guardrails are placed in the safety zone. Uh, and, and what that is, is if you impact the guardrail, you still have a few feet before the danger zone. It would make a whole lot more sense for a guardrail to be on the edge of the road on the mountainside rather than six feet down the mountain so that you can careen off the mountain in West Virginia. I didn't run off the mountain, but man, I was terrified. Uh, but that's, that, so it keeps us from being in the danger zone, even if we hit a guardrail. And that's going to be important for us uh, as we work through this. So they're designed, guardrails are designed to minimize damage. So you can see it to know not to go there. But if you do go too far, it's designed to minimize damage. They crumple and they bend and they don't do as much damage as, say, going off a mountain would do or running into another vehicle. I'm, I don't know why I'm on this going off a mountain thing, but well, just bear with me. Um, and, and so the, the truth about guardrails is nobody needs guardrails until we do. 
Uh, a few years ago, well, several years ago, I was going on a road trip with my kids, my, my son and my daughter, and we drove from St. Louis to Houston, uh, and, and it was uh, an epic road trip. We got to see some really cool stuff. I don't know if you know this, but here in Springfield, the largest fork in America, it's here. Uh, we got to stop here and see it. Uh, I, yeah, it really exists. Uh, we got to go to a place uh, that had the, the largest uh, oil derrick that was covered in seeds. Who knew? This is a thing. And there's a guy that stands beside it. He's covered in seeds too. I don't know. Uh, but there, there's so many things that we stopped and saw. One of them, we got to go to Native America uh, in Oklahoma and got to see how Native America, the dwellings of Native Americans and what they look like, what the, you know, teepees and, and mud brick houses and how all of that worked. Uh, and, and it was really interesting. We had a great time. Uh, and then we went, of course, to Houston and we got to visit my parents and go to the beach and all kinds of stuff. And then on the way back, we were driving through Oklahoma, which is a really long road, and the turnpike had been put in Oklahoma, and the turnpike was 85 miles an hour. And I was like, man, we're going to get home fast. So I was going a good 85 miles an hour, exactly, just in case anybody's wondering, uh, exactly 85. You shut your mouth, Savannah. Uh, 80, 85 miles an hour driving, and I was being super pleasant to everybody on the road. Uh, you know I'm lying now. So I, and there was a semi in, in, the, in the lane in front of me, and I, so I had to go around the semi because he's not moving at 85 miles an hour. Uh, and so I, I got into the left lane, and I'm coming up beside the semi. So I can't go back over to the right lane because there's a semi truck there, and I see a car on the other side of the road, and it veers off to the opposite direction first, and then it streaks across toward us. Um, and so I'm sitting here, and I know I can't go to the right because there is a big, huge truck that will run over my car. Uh, and there's a car now heading directly at us, at eight, and, and we're both probably doing 85 miles an hour. So the way that the road is set up is there's two lanes here, two lanes coming here, and then there was a grass median, or median in between, and they had just set up those metal, the, the cable guardrails. And so I, I, am, I am panicking in my head, and I have taken my foot off the gas, but I know that if I step on the gas, I, my car is not going to shoot suddenly into Mach 2 and pass this car, um, and I'm, I don't have enough time to stop before the car is going to get to us. And, and so in my head, I'm realizing that we have a serious problem, that the best outcome is going to be that my car is mangled. The worst outcome is we're not going to make it through this. And while all of this is processing through my head in the split second that it takes, they hit the guardrail and the guardrail stops the car. Uh, and fortunately, there was a police officer behind us. And so he pulled over and we were able to just keep going, uh, mostly so I could learn how to breathe again. Um, but that guardrail protected us from imminent disaster incoming problems that, that were there. Now, maybe you've experienced something like that with a guardrail where you've been protected from somebody else. Maybe you have had the guardrail help keep you on the road when you were starting to veer off or something like that, and it wasn't as pleasant for you because you got a little damage from the guardrail. But the, the idea behind the guardrail is that it, it will help us to keep safe by keeping us on the road and minimize damage when we're doing it. It directs us and it protects us. And so the, the truth is, the road is not the only place that we need guardrails. The road is not the only place that we need guardrails. Most of our greatest regrets 
could have been avoided if we had had guardrails in place. For example, moral failures where you've gone a little too far and found yourself in a place that you never expected to be. Financial failures, relationship failures, all of these things could have been avoided. Now, sometimes things happen, I get it, but some of these things can be avoided. Most of these things, I would say, can be avoided if we had guardrails in place. Personal guardrails can direct us away from bad places and protect us from others that want us to go into bad places. Either way, it's what we, we need to set up. And so this series is all about how we're going to implement that. Today is all about why we need that and how we need that. And, and, and that, you know, the truth is that society is not super excited if we have guardrails. As a matter of fact, they kind of frown on the idea of, oh, you need morals, for, you, you need to protect yourself from yourself. Uh, they, they, they would prefer more gray lines. We're just going to have some nice painted lines on the road to protect you, and then you should be strong enough to just make it on your own. For example, drink responsibly. Now, I don't know about you, but once I've had a few drinks, I'm not very responsible. Uh, maybe that's just me, and, and now I just fessed up to some stuff, and y'all are like, wait a minute, our pastor has a drink every once Yes, crazy. I try to be, but I'm not all that responsible to start with. So what is... What is what does that even mean? Uh, so, you know, there's that. And here, okay, you can earmuff it for me real quick. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Uh, so when it comes to sex, we say, wait until you are ready. I was a teenage boy. I was ready the minute I got through puberty. I'm like, yes, let's go. I, now, maybe there's some girls that are out there that are like, no, I'm not ready. You better be no, not ready. Anyway, no, I'm not ready. But for most boys, they're like, I was born ready. I don't know what you're talking about. This is not a good guardrail. This is a gray line. Uh, here's another one. Consolidate your debts. Not don't have debt, not don't get into debt, not learn how to manage your debt, but consolidate it. Put it all into a big pile so you just have one big debt. It's not, it doesn't make any sense. It's a gray line. And here's my all, absolute favorite, because it it is the worst for me. Listen to your heart, right? Yeah, my heart tells me to go buy a really expensive truck right now with all the bells and whistles and get a new one every other year. So, you know, this is the, I can't listen to my heart on this matter because all it is is about doing whatever I want to do. It's not about doing what God wants to do. It's what I want. And so all of these are gray lines. Now, here's what's interesting about society is once you cross the line and you have a moral failure or a financial failure or anything, society is so big to be like, oh, look, 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 they did wrong, right? I mean, we're, we, we want to celebrate the fact that you screwed up because we didn't do it. <laughs> I think that's really what it is. The Pope recently, uh, last week, was on the news. And I feel really bad for this guy, uh, but he, he was walking through a crowd and a lady grabbed his hand and pulled him toward her. And, and so he's like getting jerked. He's like 80 years old. Nobody, you know, I don't yank on folks that are older. Um, it's just a, just a good, good habit not to get into. Um, and so he, he responds by trying to pull his hand out of her hand and she pulls him again toward her and he smacks her hand. This is what happens. So you can watch the video, Google the video. Uh, it's not very exciting because all he does is he smacks her hand. People just went crazy. Oh, this is the proof that he is the Antichrist. I'm like, because he's, 
I, I'm glad it wasn't me on the video because I don't know what I'd have done. Um, but this, this is the kind of thing, like they wanted to show, and that's not even a moral failure, but because of who he is and what he does, oh, he should be bigger than that. He should be so much more holy. And I'm just like, guys, he was getting yanked around. Like everybody would be upset by that. Uh, th- now, my second example, now this is not a, uh, I am not for or against this person politically. I just wanted to throw that caveat out there. But there, was, there is a guy who is our vice president named Mike Pence, and Mike Pence lives by what is called the Billy Graham rule. If you're not familiar with the Billy Graham rule, it is that Mike Pence uh, will not go and have a one-on-one meeting with a person of the opposite sex that is not his wife. He will not be in an elevator or closed space with a woman uh, that is not his wife. He will not have meals uh, alone with a woman that is not his wife. And he does all of these things to protect himself and the woman. And as soon as that came out, uh, when, when news media got wind of him living, uh, using this in his life, they just tore him up. They said, this, this demeans women in the workplace. This is horrible practice. And, and even the Harvard Business Journal got in on this. And the Harvard Business Journal wrote an article, and it's a pretty fascinating article, and some of the things that they say are absolutely right. Uh, so I would, I would recommend doing it. Look, Billy Graham rule, Harvard Business Journal, Google it, you'll, you'll pull it up. What, what they uh, end up saying, though, is they end up saying that um, this rule w- minimizes women in the workplace. So it's hard for women uh, in, a, in a one-on-one, like if you're a male boss and a female co-worker, and you can't meet in a closed space, this, this could cause problems. And they're saying that, that you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't have hard and fast rules, Mike Pence. Instead, you should have a gray line that keeps you on the straight and narrow. So the, the, the conclusion of the Harvard Business Journal's article was this. In the simplest terms, become what we call a thoughtful caveman. That's cool. I don't know what it means but that's cool. Uh, you know, I, I figured cavemen were not so great. Uh, you know, the picture I have is the guy dragging the girl by the hair. I don't know that that really happened, uh, but that's the picture that goes into my head. Um, and so, so it continues, and here's what it says, right? It says this, healthy, mature, self-aware men understand their distinctly neural architecture. I don't even know what that means. So apparently I'm not there. Uh, And maybe that's why I live uh, according to the Billy Graham rule as well. But uh, what does that even mean? And here's here's even worse. Ladies, (laughs) how many of these have you ever seen, right? How many of these have you ever met? Self-aware, healthy, uh, mature men. I mean, in my opinion, these are probably like unicorns. Uh, that's, That's just me. Because uh, I, I, I don't know that I've ever... So, and, and to be totally honest, somebody like this probably doesn't need guardrails. They probably don't. But for the other 99.999 to the nth power, we need guardrails. They help us to do that. If you have guardrails in your life, you may not be celebrated, but you will have fewer regrets. I can promise you that. You will have fewer regrets and this isn't a, a new idea. This, this idea actually is quite old. Uh, the Hebrew Bible talks about, or the Old Testament, it, it talks about standards and boundaries. 
And the New Testament does too. It talks about standards and boundaries. That's what guardrails are. They're standards and boundaries. And here's the deal. The reason that the Bible talks about standards and boundaries is because God knows we need standards and boundaries, that we need something that keeps us in the safe zone before we careen off into something that will ruin our lives and our families. Because nobody sets out and says, you know what, today I'm going to ruin my life. This is a great day to ruin my life. Nobody does that. Instead, what we're after is we, we take baby steps in the wrong direction, and we end up off in the woods and in the weeds, and we have no idea how we ended up there. And it's because we did not have anything to prevent us from going too far in that direction. So we're going to look today at, at a, a book that was written to a church in Ephesus. It's called uh, The Letter to the Ephesians. And uh, it's written by Paul, who was a, a follower of Jesus after the resurrection. So at first, Paul uh, was after the church, thought the church was, was wrong, and then had a conversion experience and became uh, obedient to Jesus because he met the resurrected Christ. And, and Paul writes this letter. He, so Paul went around and started churches everywhere. And this specific church in Ephesus, he starts and then he has to move on pretty quickly and so he's writing letters to them to try and let them know, hey, this is, you, you have been freed in Jesus, and this is how you need to live. And, and he uses the, the idea of light and dark, that you don't want to live in your old ways, which are darkness, but you want to live in the new way, which is life and light in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be looking at Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to go ahead and join me and, and open that up. Uh, if you don't have a Bible available to you, if you don't have an app, if you have an app, go ahead and open that up too. But if you don't have either of those, uh, we've got Bibles right outside the doors. We want to make those available to you. They're free of charge. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just go out and grab one. And we want you to have that because we believe that the Bible is transformative and helps you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So here are these words from St. Paul, uh, verses five through, or verse, chapter 5, verse 15 through 20 in Ephesians. It says this, Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the Lord's, what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks, giving thanks to God the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is addressing this new church, this, this church and, and is trying to let them know that although you've been set free in the name of Jesus, you need to set up some guardrails to protect yourself from going back to the way you were. We don't want you to slip back into your old ways, but live into the new life. Now, here's the deal. All of these folks are brand new Christians because Christianity is brand new. So they lived their lives in brokenness and in sin, and now a new way has presented itself through Jesus Christ. And Paul doesn't want them to backslide, to go back to their old ways. So he says this, be very careful. Do not slip back to your old ways. Live as wise people. Why does he say that? Because the days are evil. Now, he's not saying that evilness is creeping around every corner. He's saying because you are attuned to doing what isn't what Jesus wants. 
and, and you need to get in tune instead with the Spirit of God so that you can do what is right instead of what is wrong. You need guardrails put in place to keep you there. And, and he's looking at it from a perspective of you need to make wise choices. And throughout this series, we're going to talk about one, one specific thing. In light of my future hopes and dreams and my past experiences... And where I currently am, what's the wise choice for me to do? Wisdom is what this is all about. And so we're looking at what wisdom looks like for us. How do we become wise people for Jesus Christ? What does that look like? And it's great because last week we talked about the wise men and we talked about the fact that wisdom kind of gets based off of our intellect and our experience. We want those two things to run together so that we can make these wise choices. And so our past experiences tie in to our future hopes and dreams. And those are the choices that we're looking for. So he says, be very careful that you don't slip back. Make wise decisions. Set up guardrails. He doesn't use that term because guardrails didn't exist then, but he's setting up boundaries and protection. He says, uh, we, we want not to have the habit of sin anymore. Uh, and then he says this, don't be foolish, but understand the Lord's will. Well, it's easy for you to say, Paul. Uh, a lot of times I think that we as Christians, we, we hear that, well, we need to discern God's will. And we, we, we want to make a big deal out of it. And I think far more frequently, if you're like me, God's will is a lot easier to follow and find, or a lot easier to understand what God wants you to do than it is for you to do what God wants you to do. And, and I think that's a decision we make, that, that we understand what God is calling us to do far, far earlier than where our willingness to follow obediently comes in. And so we need to, to recognize our propensity, our desire to not necessarily do what God wants, but do things our own way. And that's, that's where that guard, the guardrails come in handy. Uh, he, he uses an example following that. So if, you, if any of you are like, uh, I hope he's going to talk about wine because he already talked about his irresponsible drinking. Uh, we go right then, Paul starts with, um, with the whole idea of don't, don't drink too much wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, debauchery is a very fancy word that is a sin with a sexual connotation, right? Uh, but really what Paul is saying here, and, and back in this point in time, everybody drinks wine because wine is better for you than water. If, if you don't understand this, uh, let, me, let me lighten the, this load. Uh, here, here's the deal. Uh, water is not easy to, to port around without it going bad, becoming sour. Stale, stagnant water becomes bad for you and it makes you sick. Uh, if you add a little bit of wine to water, it takes away all of the bad stuff. And so this was why in the, in the, old, uh, in the old Testament, in the early New Testament, uh, wine is very prevalent. It's everywhere because people are drinking wine rather than water. Um, and, and so here we have this idea of watered wine. Um, and, and, but that's not what he's talking about. He's not worried about that. He's saying, don't get drunk. And he's asking you not to get drunk as, as the, he's asking the Ephesians not to get drunk for this reason, because wine, too much wine leads to a loss of control, that you do your own thing when you drink too much wine. You lose control, and God wants us to be mastered by nothing except for him. So not finances, not lust, not 
anything, drinking, anything that can capture our attention. God doesn't want any of that for us. We don't need to be mastered by any of that. Instead, we need to be mastered only by God. And so this is, this is what Paul is talking about. And what's interesting is when I first became a Christian, uh, my, my, I started noticing something. Uh, I had a conscience about things that I didn't have before. And it wasn't based out of guilt. I wasn't like, I, w- I, felt, I felt really guilty about doing different things. No, it was like, I just feel like I shouldn't be doing that. And it was interesting to me because what happens is once we start to follow Jesus, our, our conscience becomes more fine-tuned. It becomes more refined into the way that God wants us. And the more steps that we take in the direction of God, the more fine-tuned it becomes even still. And we grow in that relationship. We're made more into that image of God. And so guardrails help us to set us, set us up for success. And what's interesting about setting up guardrails, and I can guarantee that this will happen for you because it happened for me, and it's happened to everybody that I've ever talked to that have set up boundaries. Every time you set up boundaries and you make that list and you say, I need to make sure that I don't do X, Y, or Z, what you'll start to see is you'll start to see you have more clarity in the understanding of God's will. And here's why. Because any step away from sin and brokenness is a step toward God. And the closer you get to God, the easier it is to understand what God wants. Now, it's not super easy to do, right? It's not like suddenly, oh, so it's uh, great. I I don't know why I just jogged over here, but... (laughs) It's so so easy. It, It doesn't become easier. As a matter of fact, I think it gets harder. Because what's left is the stuff that's so hard for us to get rid of and get past. And, and so my hope is that during this series, that you will join with me and you will say, you know what, all right, it's a new year, let's set up some new guardrails. Maybe one of your guardrails is, hey, I need to grow my, grow my faith by coming and being a part of church. I need to grow my faith by being a part of one of our small groups. I need to grow my faith by being involved in something bigger than myself. And, and so I would encourage you to do that. But really, what we're looking for is during this series, we're going to talk about how we implement those guardrails, what those can look like, and how they can bring us closer to Jesus. Guardrails are how we free ourselves from sin and brokenness. They direct and protect us. Now, a lot of you are, are, may, may, may be worried about this sounding very self-helpish, that, oh, well, if I just set up guardrails, I don't need Jesus. And What I want us to recognize is this is not about us being better people. It's about us becoming more surrendered people, surrendered to the living God, surrendered in the goal of growing in grace and surrendered in being made more like Jesus. And so what is it that you need to face up to? Where do you need to start? Um, Where are you straying too close to the edge? Uh, And where can you put guardrails up that will protect you and direct you and keep you on the path? Let's go to God in prayer. Holy One, we thank you so much for the gift that you give us in Jesus Christ and the gift that you have given us in the Holy Scriptures and in our understanding of how we can be more like Jesus by being obedient to you. Father, help us to rejoice in that obedience. Help us to, to set up guardrails to protect us and to direct us and to keep us on your path. And you know my heart, you know how hard this is for all of us. And and so I just ask that you would give us an abiding presence of your Holy Spirit, that we can 
um, we can receive joy in knowing that we are moving in the right direction, that we can receive your peace by surrendering more of ourselves to you each and every day. Father, I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, and all of us agreed and said, Amen.